0: as Loud as possible because I figure it's better to be loud than quiet. Yeah, I yes.
1: think that's
0: what she told me to. Yeah, I, don't,
1: I don't feel like that's true.
0: Okay, um, so we're equal distance from this. I'm gonna try not to bump this bed too much so that it doesn't bump the mic, but if it does, I apologize. We'll just blame it on me being pregnant. That's literally my excuse for everything. Like, literally, I'm like at the store, I'm like, oh, there's no bananas. I'm pregnant, <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh. so. Anyway,
0: but uh yeah. Just reminding about last episode. Jump on Patreon if you want to see the bonus. Demons. Courtney's gonna go off on demons for a long time.
1: I can do this. Okay. Alright, you ready? Yep. Yeah. Alright, I'm gonna sit up straight.
0: Oh yeah. Um and then I guess we'll just pause or I'll let you clap when you're ready to introduce the recording for Annalise. Sure. Okay, I can
1: Is that the only condition I need for both of us to clap together? I don't think. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Okay, let's do
0: it. One, two, three. Hi, guys, I'm Samantha. And I'm Courtney. And this is the We Would Have Burned podcast, the podcast where two historians bring you the most interesting stories from a chosen topic every other week, except. Just (laughs) starting right off. Hello, hi. This is the episode before our little bitty eensy weensy hiatus. Yes. So for a month we will be uh, awol because I'm having a baby. I'm starting law school. Yeah, which is probably cooler, like long term. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna push out a kid. Um, So if you hear any weird grunts or like movements, it's probably me. We're recording this together, and literally I walked in her house, and the first thing I said was, you're so pregnant. <laughs> like, <laughs> Which is just the best thing to <laughs> we third trimester just done with everything. Literally, before we recorded, to sit down, I'm like, okay, so like... If your water breaks, I'm just going to go boil some towels. (laughs) I don't know what to do. Hot water, hot water. I don't know what to
1: do. Yeah, no,
0: we have a game plan. It's, like, actually written. I thought about laminating it, but Justin (laughs) tells me I'm, like, ridiculous. So, yeah, uh, obviously, with all this going on, we figured it would be best to just kind of take a break. This will be episode 20, anyone? That's kind of a cool stopping point. Season one. Yeah, so we decided to kick it off or uh, end it on a bang um especially since samantha's been you know worried about demons lately i've just been worried about demons lately guys <laughs> just, worrying. just worrying you know you know, you know how it be sometimes <laughs> sometimes it be
1: like that though
0: <laughs> uh so we're going to talk about demon possessions today Which, if you know anything about me, is, like, one of my baby subjects and pet subjects. So I'm going to try really hard not to be obnoxiously, like, actually. Guys, Courtney's pretty much just going to take it away. I'm just sitting here drinking a glass of water, (laughs) stressing out about my own private life. (laughs) It's just Courtney's the Courtney hour. I brought out my Encyclopedia of Demonology. Samantha, very gratefully, did not judge me for it. (laughs) Um, I've actually had this since I was an undergrad. You can tell because I have Latin
1: Oh, well, like homework.
0: Yeah, in it that I was using as a as a bookmark. Um, so, yeah, uh, it should be interesting. If you're into the demon thing or you just want to, like, kind of hear, I guess, like, an academic version of demonology, I feel like everybody feels like they know a little bit about demons because movies... Um, we've all seen the Exorcist. Yeah. But this month's bonus Patreon episode will be fully focused on demonology. Obviously we can't cover the whole subject, but we will go off on like some hot topics. I'm excited to talk about like weird possessions because we won't be able to get into it in depth on this episode, but like I got all sorts of weird theories from the Middle Ages referring <laughs> to you guys. Um and, you know, all manner of exciting things. So we will be talking about those in depth. There will probably be a couple of points in this episode where we just have to like skim the surface because we try to keep these around an hour and if I'm allowed to go off it's going to be like four. Uh, <laughs> so the, the Patreon episode will be your chance to get a little bit extra Uh, Samantha and Courtney content. Yeah, you can content. join up on, you can choose your favorite team Uh, for $2 a month. uh, Join Team Courtney or Team Samantha help us support our very small podcast we're trying to grow past a 100 <laughs> followers on twitter which i'm really excited about so we're yeah, yeah. doing all sorts of stuff and we'll be back in october which is the spookiest month in my that's kind of where we belong anyway that's really our aesthetic Amanda's <laughs> trying to talk me into going to a haunted <laughs> okay asylum.
1: you won't go with well i don't I'm know super i texted
0: courtney at like 2 a.m and i said where we're we moving There's a, like, asylum that has completely deteriorated, and it's all dilapidated and condemned, and then on the grounds, on one of the newer buildings, they turned it into a winery and an inn, so you can stay in, like, one of the newer buildings, and then they do ghost tours every single night, where, like, real paranormal investigators that are not affiliated with the winery, but use the grounds, like, run around and try to, like, do, and everyone who goes says that they saw a ghost. Like, everyone who goes is like, oh, I saw a ghost. It stays in the end. They're all like, oh, like a woman woke me up that night and she was singing opera songs in my room. Like, or like, oh, like I heard somebody talking to me in my room. Like, everybody has parents. Paradox- like that. <laughs> I'm like, we have to go. But she's like, I have a newborn. I'm have a newborn. I don't know if I can go. will be a month old. We, we just strap him to your oh chest. Oh my gosh, no. He's so young. He's perfect for it. We strap just, him to your chest. Can you imagine how neurotic I would be the whole time. Demons are not taking my baby. <laughs> we put Chase in a baby Bjorn. And we go and chase
1: demons. That's what hey, we do. Hey, demons, it's your boy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's your, your boy. baby. <laughs>
0: It's like an aggressive, what is it? Um oh shoot, what's that baby movie where she's uh, Rosemary's baby? Yes. I was gonna say Courtney's it's baby a reverse <laughs> where we're actively seeking demonic <laughs> <team-like> interactions. <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm I'm like an open minded skeptic because I've never seen anything that like fully cemented my like belief in ghosts. But I'm like not opposed because I've never seen everything in the world. Exactly. So. Well we might see something in this asylum Lord, winery. I'm gonna have to like okay. Talk to
1: the Lord. I am <laughs> just saying.
0: I think that when you finally are done breastfeeding Jace, you know, you that's if it, Courtney's family planning goes yeah. as planned, Jace is her last baby. Yes, you can get drunk again. Yeah, that's we true. We go load up at this winery. I literally <laughs> we
1: met. I talked to this
0: mom. Satan. I talked to this mom the other day, and she was like, "Oh, yeah," she had like eight months and I was like, "Oh, you know," blah blah blah, talking about mom stuff, and she was like, "Oh, just so you know, if you are breastfeeding." You don't have to pump and dump. You can drink whatever you want. You just have to wait until you're sober. And I was like, that does not seem accurate. But I love that. That's the first thing you want to tell me. Hey, girl, you want a booze? I
1: got the four one (laughs) one.
0: So yeah, uh, even better booze with Jace strapped to your chest. (laughs) Get one of those wine bras where I can just like (laughs) slurp it. No, but Jace's baby be- Well, so, the the key would be You're like, oh, I have twins And one is Jace, <laughs> and one is just A giant 750 milliliter bottle nice. Of pure grain alcohol It's <laughs> just and fireball We're just we're <laughs> get loaded out there It'd have to be fireball if we're looking for demons Yes, yeah, that has to be uh, Yeah, so I thought if we do do that It would be really funny to record it And do some Of videos. course, I literally propositioned her Like, we should go on assignment myth. <laughs> Because we've talked about this a couple of times where we were like, you know, we went to New Orleans together. The spookiest thing we saw was, like, Marie Laveau's tomb, and we saw it at, like, 2 p.m., white girl wasted. <laughs> drunk. <laughs> drunk and poor <farmed> yeah. <laughs> Like, considering, just considering being in a graveyard drunk, like, it, it was not was, a good look. We were respectful, but oh, by the grace of God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the whole time I was like, please, Lord, don't let me be disrespectful to a voodoo priestess. <laughs> it's great um so that's the spookiest we got because our husbands are not pro-spook they're not they do not not. like the spooky things yeah and they were like 50 percent of the vote and we're too chicken to like go by ourselves (laughs) (laughs) we're like but it's the murder museum (laughs) (laughs) and they're like we're not no so maybe we'll do that i guess you can vote and maybe peer pressure will like Convince me to convince Justin. <laughs> Justin was like, Sue, so you're gonna leave like a month in and just like leave me with the children. And I'm like, to find ghosts what? though. <laughs> if we wait till like the 31st, Jace would be like two months old. Yeah, the only downside I was thinking about is like October is probably their busiest month.
1: Definitely. Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: but okay. I mean, maybe we could go for it. <laughs>
1: I don't know. We could also wait. We
0: could. So I show up to Courtney's house, and I'm like, so we're doing demons? She goes, we're doing possessions. So I had to do some, like, very... Luckily, I show up, and Courtney's, like, I got to do about an hour more of research. So I was able to do some quick... Look, I already knew I was losing this episode before it even started, <laughs> so you're going to forgive me for phoning this one that. in. We're going to have to do, like, a Soviet episode so you can just trash <laughs> me, because we've done two episodes that have just, like through whatever reason, like, we did the Notre Dame episode on saints, Mm. and now we've done demonic possessions, which, I mean, I feel like you have a passing interest in it. Oh, definitely. Not like, read a whole bunch of books about would it. I'd say it's my area of focus. Yeah. I mean, it's not technically my area of focus. I'm just about demons <laughs> and weird people. So it, it does come up. I have taught a couple lectures on demons. The reason I bring this up is I I thought we were just doing demons. Like just demons we thought sounded interesting. So I'm like, we're doing demons? She's like, oh no, possessions. Uh, my demon is best summoned well, not my demon. He's not mine. Oh my god. Jesus. Lord. We have, like, a Bible we could just hold near. That. It's, uh, in the other room. Oh, dreads. Um, like, you just keep, we're recording this in her son's nursery. Like, we? Oh, yeah. I keep this right by the diapers. Just in case. Just the Book case. of Mormon's actually in Ellie's room. Um, but yeah. So, the demon that I studied, thinking that was what we are doing for this episode, he gets summoned in March. Oh. So, there are, there are other months. There what are demon other... were you going to do? Um, uh, oh, I forgot his name. <laughs> My favorite's uh, the demon of Achadia, which I feel like everybody secretly have, which is the demon of depression. Oh. And symptoms oh. of his possession are feeling sleepy, lacking any kind of energy to do stuff, and not being able to focus on work. That just sounds like every day of my life. Yeah, it's literally like anybody who lives, students are the most commonly affected by the demon of Achadia.
1: Oh, no. Yeah. Uh,
0: I think, like, I read some really interesting articles actually about it where they, they basically postulated that it was like the medieval attempt to understand and explain depression in a way that wasn't actually victim blaming
1: because hmm. oh, that's the um, nice.
0: Medievalists are actually pretty open-minded about demon possessions they don't think it's like caused by sin or you being a bad person it just happens because demons are dicks Agaris was the one I studied mm-hmm. and he was the demon of language mm-hmm. and so uh, it was all about he's a guy well he's like a demon <laughs> I'm not a guy just a bro he's just, just a man just a man <laughs> he bears the he, truth He's <laughs> uh, riding a crocodile and he's got a falcon. Nice. And he's the demon of language, finding runaways. And so I think I'm also of like I mean knowledge, but I feel like a lot of demons are demons yeah. of knowledge. And so the idea is uh, if you summon him, he like will teach you all the language. So you just wanna be a polyglot. Oh. Yeah. But I'm like Maybe like in fifteen hundreds that would have been useful, but you can just do Duolingo. <laughs> Al- you don't have to like bring a demon. Duolingo is a garret. That's why he is like that bird, he is a <laughs> the owl is... Yeah. The owl, the owl is my gosh. <laughs> We are discovering conspiracies, <laughs> demonic... Okay, have you ever seen the woman with the monster can, and she's like, six, six, six? That's us that's, <laughs> that's that's right
1: that with Duolingo.
0: That's it. Sorry. Y'all, watch out for Duolingo. It might be a popular demon. It might be Agar is trying to you infiltrate your here mind. first. <laughs> Birds are controlled by the bourgeoisie. <laughs> but anyway, um, so we have two exorcism or possession stories... Um, I feel like, you know, especially in the viral world, like, exorcism is something that everybody feels like they know a little bit about, um, mostly because we've all grown up watching movies like The Exorcism of Emily Rose or The Exorcist, The Right, um, a bunch of different movies have talked about it, and interestingly enough, I was just telling Samantha about this interview I heard from the premier Catholic exorcist. Like, this is the guy who's, like, in his 90s, he's seen the devil's face and, like, <laughs> spat in it. Like, this man is, like, so hardcore, it's insane. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, no, I've seen demons, and uh, I'm not scared of them. I cast mm-hmm. them out. That's what I do. So, he's, like, the trainer. And um, the Catholic Church has taken, like, a backsliding stance on, like, demonic possessions. If you want to be uh, exorcised by the Catholic Church, you have to have three different psychologists prove that it is not a mental disorder that's triggering the symptoms I, of an exercise. I feel as though my exorcism might be part of the reason for this not to give it all away but <laughs> yeah. I did a demonic possession that I after reading on it I was like I bet they changed some laws yeah of this. they uh, for sure and um, uh, oh, one of the problems that like modern day exorcists have is like obviously mental health is like a big debate are these people possessed, or are they like? And I think most of us are going to lean more towards a mental health issue before we're like demons, um, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I'd be willing to if anybody wants to prescribe that as the reason. You are also the conspiracy theorist <laughs> in this room. <laughs> the birds are controlled by bourgeoisie. I'm not even going to question it. Um, so, yeah, one of the priests though was like interesting. Was like he said that those exorcism movies have made psychologists, like, assume that that's the only way to say someone is demon-possessed. And it's actually, like, way more subtle. Um, After those movies, the Catholic Church saw this huge upswing on how many people were coming to them with help or looking for help with exorcism, which is why they've, like, cut back so significantly because it caused a lot of problems for them. Um, So most of the time with exorcisms, you're looking at a person or a possession um that has like really subtle and some really aggressive symptoms and most people think that it's like a one-time gig like you go in you get exercised you're done but most of the time they take like a really extensive period of time like some of the more famous cases took like 12 years of constant exorcisms to break down this person or the demonic hold in them and then you have to have regular upkeep because in the new testament jesus says say at one point that if you've been possessed it's easy to be possessed again um so which is interesting because medieval possessions are much more cut and dry they're sort of like mm-hmm. yeah you get possessed yeah. and it's usually not your fault demon just like likes the look of you i guess and you get possessed and you get exercised and everybody's sort of like "Who, way to go and then you're done like mm-hmm. that's it um and they even keep demons around for a period of time sometimes because demons know things and so some there are several stories of medieval priests choosing to keep a demoniac around because they can see the future they can tell you what satan's up to these days like what's the hot goss in like the 666 area code <laughs> is it just like Shaun of the dead where they just have them like tied up yeah in, in the yard like yeah. oh. they just keep oh, no. them like in a space and they're just sort of like all right you're trapped by holy icons or you're like in the holy well lo- i don't know um and then they're just like so what's it's Lucifer up to these days. What's he plotting? What's he, is you know, scheming? And then, like, you get into the modern world and possessions are, I think, way more open-minded. Like, modern religions, you have spiritualism and Ouija boards, which we've mm-hmm. talked about. Um, both opening up, channeling is what they call it, to spirits. I and mean, those spirits are not limited towards human spirits. They're usually non-human. I mean, Ghost Adventures, that guy gets possessed like every episode, right? Every episode. Every episode. Do you remember the episode where he was just really roided out and angry and then <laughs> later he was like, I was probably a dim- like a demon. Yeah, he's just like angry. Uh, he wasn't I, even like doing anything. I angry. have a lot of feelings about that <laughs> show
1: and just not just them positive. Just, I always
0: remember there's an episode where they go to whatever, an asylum. Who yeah. cares?
1: And Doesn't they're matter, like get possessed. it might
0: be like an island type thing where they're searching and, mm-hmm. and they, they look up in the sky and like Two jet streams from a, two different airplanes have crossed, and they go, X marks the spot. We must be in the right place. I just don't know how you're like recording that video and not being like, I am the biggest asshole. And like, I I'm am faking it all. I'm so messed up. Uh, so, yeah, like, New Age, I feel like is pretty open minded, but we do see exorcism popping up pretty consistently. I was looking up recent cases uh, in 2003, an autistic eight year old. A boy in Milwaukee was bound in sheets and held down by church members attempting to lead a prayer service that was meant to exorcise what they believed was a demon, and he died in the process. Uh, when they did an autopsy, they found such extensive bruising that they realized that the the sheets that they were using to hold him down actually suffocated him to death. Have you ever heard, this is an aside, it's not about demons, but it's about the, there used to be that kind of therapy called rebirth therapy. Oh yeah, where they, Guy, like, they yeah. make the And they like rat, it, dude, it's, it's top up. five, one of the most disturbing things I've ever heard, I'm pretty they, sure there's
1: a Bob's Burgers episode where they make fun of it.
0: Oh, well like so you there's this one girl that like I feel bad. If you guys can hear crying, it's just Eleanor. It's just her daughter, and yeah, she's just she's just she's, in she's just mood. in a mood. We, she's fine, but um, <laughs> her dad is out there with her. She's <laughs> yeah. not like alone outside the door. But it, we're not also possessors, no. Like I we should have like, been like, what? Children? I don't. Do you guys hear something on the track? We were, we were, we were alone. alone. We were, in we were alone. In dark and no yeah. one was here. Yeah. No. Um. But in, maybe for a separate episode, maybe for a different time. But a particular, like a girl died, and, and they have um, the the whole like hour long recording of her suffocating to death, and they've transcribed it. Oh. One of the top five most disturbing things I've ever read. Oh. Don't read it in the state no. you're in. <laughs> this is no, a I, I over everything. I watched um, In Game last night. I was like all up in my emotions. <laughs> Just over In Game. Just like pacing around the house. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of them in the past ten years. Um, probably like sh- this is probably an older article, but in the past ten years, there's been at least four other exorcism related deaths. Two of the four were for children. So yeah, and even so- with all this stuff, the Catholic Church they cannot resist just killing people during an. Exorcism. Well, it's not just Catholic churches; Protestant mm-hmm. churches do it too. Ooh. Um, laying hands, the prayer uh, circles yeah, yeah. and stuff, which is interesting because. Protestantism, when it was first kind of introduced, really de-emphasized demons because mm-hmm. um, they were more about like a personal relationship with God. So Protestants like Martin Luther and Calvinist Protestants were not really into demons; they were more into like social issues and like evils on earth, not like the supernatural. Especially like Scientific Revolution era Protestants, and we've kind of gone full circle. Yeah, now, pro- some Protestant groups, not all, can allow that. I my counselor, uh, my old counselor, actually told me that she fully believed she'd seen a demon possession. And yeah, because this little boy in her church um started speaking in like tongues and like acting out and like being really aggressive. And she's a therapist and like a psychologist, so she was like, Oh, like a personality disorder, like something else or whatever, and she was like, I was there when his parents brought him in for counseling. And she said the one of the ladies that was there for like assistance, like a like extra witness to make sure that Mm -hmm. they were all like on the up and up or whatever, was Portuguese. But she had been in the U.S. so long, she didn't even have an accent or whatever. And he turned to her and spoke in fluent Portuguese and told her about stuff she'd done in her childhood. And this boy had grown up in like I do I'd be Texas. I would be out. Like he did know. Kid any. turns to me, starts speaking to me in some Russian. I'm out. Yeah. I'm in the car. <laughs> I'm in the car, I'm never coming back. be <laughs> <down. Yeah>, I'm <laughs> down. Yeah, I'm out. But, okay, yeah, no, I ain't nobody playing with those nonsense. Like, I'm every time somebody is like sort of like, Ooh, this looks spooky, I'm like, Okay, well, um, I will See you guys later. I'm out. Uh there's no bravery in this. I'd rather be <laughs> but we're the same people that are like, so guys, just like, subscribe, let us know do you want us to go to this haunted house, <laughs> haunted asylum, watch us freak out on tape. <laughs> that's what we're gonna do. Um, but yeah, she was like convinced that that's the closest to a demon she's ever seen. And oh they gosh. basically were like, This is out of our hands. And I don't know what happened to the kid. He ended up going to like somebody who's fresh. Oh, wow. Anyway, um, but yeah, so exorcisms don't have any guidelines until 1614. They're not reevaluated by the Catholic Church until 1999. Oh. You'll notice if you're paying attention to dates, that is post-exorcism of Emily Rose and the exorcist and the boom of, like, demonic movies, so they really don't, like, talk about exorcism a lot. The Catholics are sort of like, it's like their weird thing in the closet that they don't whip out very often. Um, but the it, guy who wrote The Exorcist, was he just, like... He based it off of a real case. Is it my case? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Emily Rose's. Um, yeah, uh, so The Exorcist is based off of a case. I think his is, like, Roland Long is the kid's name. Anyway. Is that the guy who was, like, a tailor? No. There's I so many Exorcists. This was a, a younger lot. boy, like a 14-year-old boy. Um okay. But, yeah, so the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops... Um, say that to know someone is actually possessed, they have to have signs of superhuman strength, aversion to holy water, and the ability to speak in unknown languages. Those are like the top three things that you have to be able to prove. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: not uh, unknown as in like me, Courtney. I've never spoken German. Mm-hmm. I, I can actually say I have a red pencil and that's it. But if I start speaking in like fluent German, then there's an issue because that is... Not normal. Not, or your, not, not your field. So, uh, yeah, so those sorts of things are, the, like, one of the first, like, the big three that you want to do. Um, but for this episode, we are focusing on the Western tradition, like, mm-hmm. the Catholic Church. Obviously, there's other traditions. Um, some, like, African tribes scare demons out using loud noises, like bangs and slams on pots, or physically beating the victim. To make the demon leave because their victim is no longer, like, a suitable host. So when Bob Ross says to beat the devil out of that paintbrush, he's actually following the African tradition. Yeah, he's actually, like, a very pro-African scholar. (laughs) Um, And then Jewish tradition is not to um, necessarily get rid of the demon just in general into the ether, but to cast it into an animal or an object like a David Mm box, Or if you're reading New Testament, you're like, ooh, this sounds familiar. Jesus cast uh, the legion, which is like a group of demons, into a herd of pigs that then drown themselves. Which, again, I always feel bad for the pig (laughs) farmer who's just like walking by with those pigs, not bothering anybody. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, I guess it's better to like take care of the demon problem in your community, even if it does kill Oh, your pigs! All of your pigs. I was thinking, I remember the pigs' name, Wilbur and Charlie's one. Oh yeah, um, but anyway, Protestants don't care much for demonology. There is some now, but less than Catholics for sure. Mm-hmm. So, to exorcise a person, you got to move them to a holy area. You got to have some holy water. You need some ordained priests. Uh, the higher up
1: the faith, you a the young one and an old one. You Just need kidding, an, I'm young not one, gonna, I'm not an old
0: one, a skeptic, <laughs> and, but, and a psychologist, uh, and it's all a joke. No, um, but yeah, you need somebody who's like considered uh, stable enough in their faith that they can cast others socks because that's like the first thing demons do is like cut at your faith mm-hmm. and like your ability, and then you put them in a the space with as many mm-hmm. sacred icons as possible, lots of Virgin Mary sculptures, blah blah blah. And uh, starting on the ritual prayers, and then you've got a basic exorcism. So when people are like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to... Like, if you watch Supernatural, they exorcise demons all the time. They don't follow the rules. They oh, do, not like, the a Catholic. power of Christ compels. Yeah, they type. have, like, a book, and they start reading some Latin. Oh. And the demons are like, ah,
1: oh, black smoke out of
0: my mouth, and then they're done. And that's not obviously clear. Hmm. Interesting. So I'll let you take it away because I think you have probably the most well known. Yeah. So I have uh, Annalise uh Michelle Mitchell. Her she it was in France and it's M I C H E L, which is Michelle, but yeah. Uh, I I hear it Mitchell a lot. Maybe Anglo like, just Anglo-based. We we at this podcast are never scared to say something wrong. <laughs> so we just say it quickly and then we say we don't know anything. <laughs> we, don't know, we don't know how to pronounce any word. Yeah, and we're about to destroy some French too, so let's like let's do it. Um but so Annalise was born in nineteen fifty three. She was born, she was born in Germany to a German family. Um, and she had a pretty normal childhood. Mm -hmm. So the big things were her family was really, really religious and she went to mass like two times a week and she was supposed to just be kind of quiet. But honestly, like most of her classmates really categorize her as just quiet, but really religious. Um, we don't know a whole lot about her childhood because I mean, like, honestly, most of it is just not particularly of note very mm-hmm. average her family moved to France um and then around her 13th birthday she had a seizure um I mean so okay <laughs> already I'm like let me put an asterisk on that I think it's what you and I would call a seizure yeah I just said it was like an episode and she was at that time diagnosed with frontal lobe uh, epilepsy mm-hmm. she didn't have another seizure or anything she was for a while, she was yeah. uh, given medicine for it. But then, when she turned eighteen, she had another couple episodes. Yeah. Um, and around the time she turned eighteen, she went to university. And again, I mean, had a pretty normal time at university in the beginning. Again, her classmates there described her as quiet and really, really religious. But she started having after that third major seizure. They started putting her on a ton of medications. So first it started with epilepsy medicine. Yeah. And they gave her a couple of different, like, anti-seizure medications. And then that wasn't proving to be enough. It wasn't stopping her seizures. And so she began uh, being put on, like, antipsychotics psychotics and, um, like, anti-anxiety oh. medicine. Yeah. Um, and so I guess the idea was just to, in general, try to calm her down because these seizures would leave her really confused they were altering her moods yeah and so they were trying to address like if we can't at least stop the seizures at least we can stop like the bad effects that surround them and so um around her 20th birthday that's when things start getting real bad (laughs) because she starts saying when i have these seizures i see like demonic faces um, when I come out of the seizures, I see demons like yeah. all over the place. I see like, and not like, not like as though right here between us there's just a demon sitting on the bed, but yeah. you know, just like flashes in the corners and like stuff night like that. Like nightmares where it's like just there. I think it's more like, you know, out of the corner of your eye you might oh and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, just glancing at something and then glancing back, type seeing it just popping up every Hey, more popping <laughs> up everywhere like demonic images leading up to during and after her No, I'm picturing her as seeing like that scene in Insidious where it shoots back to the guy's face and the demon's like right there oh, and when he goes that. That was such an upsetting moment. <laughs> Um, Do you ever remember, like, being a little kid? Like, little kids have this problem where you Mm -hmm. you see faces and stuff that aren't there. And I can remember being, like, a very little kid and seeing, like, a skeleton man standing Mm -hmm. in the dark. But it's just because you you see stuff in the dark because you're Mm -hmm. a little kid. I think it has to do with brain development. And so it's not necessarily unusual that, like, during a seizure you would be, like, finding faces and stuff that aren't there because it's just a part of your brain that... We don't activate a lot as adults. But I'm not a doctor. Don't take my right. word for it. But that was, you know, a common hypothesis of, of why she started seeing these faces. Then she started hearing um, demons whisper to her during her seizures. Yeah. She started hearing people whisper, like, you're going to rot in hell. You're one of the damned. You know, Satan's waiting for you. She started hearing, like, demonic voices Jeez. saying this stuff. So she tells her parents, and she's really freaked out. Um... They had her evaluated thinking maybe she needed an exorcism and the Catholic Church said, no, mm-hmm. you have this psychological and and yeah, and and physical problem with your seizures. And then, you know, psychological issues stemming from the stress that these seizures put you under. You don't need our help. She went on a vacation with her parents and um, like a, a nanny type person that was, I think, helping take care of her. And they went um on this family vacation to an old like monastery and she could not so she starts saying, I can't like even stand here. It burns me to stand here in this monastery. Oh. So she goes and stands outside and like walks a line where she starts saying like when it starts burning her and pretty much draws like a perfect circle around the exact like
1: oh, wow.
0: you know, definition of the monastery's like land versus like a oh, farmers. She tries to do all these different things um, with going out to the garden and seeing if she can stand, like, being in the garden. Um, And then, so, eventually, her parents were, like, we'll just come inside even though it hurts. And she said that the, like, statues of the Virgin Mary and this giant, you know, Catholic churches have Jesus up front. Like, she couldn't look at it because it was so blinding bright. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And that she was, like, hearing things in her ears of just, like, telling her to get out. And that everything she touched was like hurting her fingers, and uh, I mean, just your classic, yeah, like not supposed to be here <laughs> vibes, yeah. Um, and uh, she said it was just like this overwhelming sense of nausea and just like ringing in her ears and everything. Like get out of here. So at this point, they're like, "That's pretty bad, Catholic Church. What do you think?" And they're like, "Sure, sure, we'll come and uh, we'll do a, we'll, Chigur- we'll 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 see, like yeah. we'll just see." And um, so she had two priests who came and and evaluated her. And um, the priests who came and evaluated her would say later that they thought immediately she didn't look epileptic. I don't know what that means. Yeah. There's not, like, a warning sign, like, epilepsy possible. Um, At this point, she'd obviously, like, she'd already lost a tremendous amount of weight. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, she was suffering obviously like even if it was a an actual demon or not like psychological issues and so I don't know what they mean by that but they decided upon looking at her and talking to her that she was not epileptic that that she had um problems from that were that were deeper than having epilepsy
1: huh
0: so um they started doing exorcisms on her And they would end up doing exorcisms on her twice a week for 11 months. They did a ton right in the beginning, and then they kind of, like, petered out to one to two, as prescribed, I guess, for 11 months. Um, At the beginning, she had all the kind of, like, classics. So she had four major demons that she thought were inside of her, um, or four major bad people (laughs) hanging (laughs) out inside of her. She thought Cain was hanging out. Nice. Hitler. As you do. Judas. And um which I the way I said that I thought of the vine. Yeah. (laughs) Judas. Judas. (laughs) Um, I brought
1: murder. 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 Murder.
0: (laughs) Judas. That's my favorite. Um and uh Lucifer. Lucifer, classic. Which I don't think Hitler counts as a demon, nor does Judas or Cain. They were just people. Yeah. They I mean, Judas features heavily in Catholic hell narratives. Like, if you've read Dante's Inferno, you know that Judas is getting eaten and pooped out by Satan himself every day. Mm-hmm. Um, Cain's an interesting choice, the first murderer. There's, like, theories that Cain is, like, the beginning of vampires and werewolves because he's marked. Much- with Mark of the Beast and then he's sent out and no one knows what happened to him after that. Uh Dr. Colopby's vampire class always said Lilith was the first. Yeah, Lilith mm-hmm. is another really big one. I was just talking to somebody
1: about Lilith the other day.
0: Um I, I don't know. So like like I said, I don't think they're demons, but she thought they live their souls were inside of her. And um I mean she had the classic, you know I mean so okay. That's Jewish tradition too, because Jews thought you could be an unhappy spirit. And oh, exciting. so just like an angry So ghost. Maybe she's like got like a weird like Jewish like background. Like she's Catholic though, right? Yeah. So like maybe in Germany or maybe there's some like holdovers that kinda like merged the ideologies. Because that's interesting. Because Jew- I mean the the Hitler thing makes me think. But then it's like, well Hitler, I mean he was Everybody for Hitler. And she's born in nineteen fifty three, I imagine, nineteen fifty three Germany. Hitler that's was somewhat true. present Pretty on people's constant. minds. Um she has these crazy symptoms um, the, the worst is These personalities We'll mm-hmm. call them That live inside her I'm going to include some audio right here
1: Three <laughs> that
0: That was crazy. <laughs> We're trying to act it's, like we
1: just listened to it. We, we did before. We did the before. The episode. But
0: it's really upsetting, it, honestly. Yeah. Um well, it's in German, which makes it hard to like understand what they're saying. I didn't pick up Latin uh, in the recordings. Yeah, so. it
1: seems so
0: I don't think that she ever fit this demonic principle of speaking another language. Yeah um it was it was mostly as you'll find out we'll get into it later but this this uh exorcism was a little bit uh controversial for many reasons oh that's I pause for a second sorry guys we need to step boy cuz um you know. The, yeah, Eleanor's hanging out with us today, so yeah. she was hearing a little bit of it. So, it was just upsetting her. The I story guess. of Annalise Mitchell. I think I'm like genuinely I just walked outside and she was just like, I'm just
1: upset. And I'm like <laughs> But why?
0: <laughs> so where we last left off, Annalise had these personalities living within her and um, did not exhibit some of the classic signs of exorcism.
1: She didn't look bipolar, according <laughs> or did, to priests. did not look
0: epileptic, <laughs> or, but yeah. um, at any rate, they begin the process of doing these really intense um, exorcisms mm-hmm. on her, and they do them really frequently. Midway through this 11-month process, um, Annalise decides to go off of her anti-psychotics, her anti-anxieties, and her epilepsy medicine. Mm. She felt, and her family felt, that that was stopping the exorcisms from being um, effective. Mm. And um, they also, Annalise started to become really obsessed with that she was just going to be a martyr. She felt that she was going to die from these exorcisms, or die from this possession. And she's going to be a martyr. And so it was just something that she had had come to... She would say it all the time, that, you know, talking about, you know, when I die, am I going to be rewarded? Am I going to go to hell? Yeah. Um, So she... Catholic tradition, if you die in a demonic exorcism or a possession, your soul is still pure. Nice. Demons actually, they believe they possess a different part of the body. Like, the soul is untouchable. So demons are actually in your gut. Uh Oh, They're foul creatures, so like mm. what's grosser than your intestines?
1: That's weird, that
0: it tracks, yeah. Uh, which is why most exorcisms in the middle ages involve farting and belching a lot, <laughs> which is not carried over into the mother, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> but if you ever see an image of it, that's why. So she stops eating towards the end of these 11 months, she gets down to 67 pounds. Oh. She's Gosh. terribly skinny.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, she passes away. It, it oftentimes is says she passed away during an exorcism. She didn't. She just passes away. Well yeah. 67 um, pounds. At the time of her death, uh, besides being malnourished, I mean, obviously that's the cause of death. Was she was malnourished and dehydrated. But bes- besides being incredibly underweight, both of her knees were also broken from constant praying. Oh, so both of her kneecaps no. were broken from kneeling on the floor and praying. Jeez. So, uh, pretty quickly after she died, the, uh, authorities were not pleased by what had happened and they charged her parents, uh, with, um, negligence leading to homicide. Mm. And so there was a trial for that. And eventually they would charge, they were going to try to charge the, the priests with the same thing. So there was this, this huge trial. Um, In the trial, they showed all the information about the exorcism, but they also had her doctors come in and talk about it. And the doctors were of the opinion that she just had a really advanced form of epilepsy and had these personality disorders um, and was having mental health problems because of the, you know, issues for these two interacting. I mean, this is 1975, 1976. Medical... You know, I mean, we hadn't even done, I think, the first heart transplant yet right, in, yeah. you know, nineteen. Understanding multiple personalities, too, is, like, very, very new. Yeah, and and so, essentially, they were having problems with her medications interacting with each
1: other, they uh-huh. thought. And they
0: thought her mental illnesses were not um, sort of showing themselves until when she got to be 18, 19, 20. And so that wasn't kind of... She was, like, they, they were having problems catching up yeah. with... Um, I wonder if her any doctors plan. have like gone back and like looked at the medicines and said, because they have doctors that just focus on historic studies like that. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if like anybody's ever looked at him and like, oh yeah, she's seeing demons because like she took this. She's and that's taking an anti-epilepsy like, medicine. She's but taking it also... an amphetamine with like a you know yeah. Like... Um. So that was essentially the problem. The yeah. doctor said that her medicines were. Mixing with each other poorly, but that that was part of a long term care plan, you know. I mean, for anybody who's ever gone through like anything mental health wise, you get prescribed a medicine, and they don't know if it's going to work. They don't Mm -hmm. know. I mean, with a lot of this, takes forever to find a dosage that works. With a lot of brain chemistry stuff, even in twenty nineteen, it's 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 just guessing and just sort of seeing how things go. And so that's essentially what the doctor said was that there was no reason for her to die. That. That she should have, like, her parents could have, you know, had her seek long-term residential, like, in-house medical help if that was what she needed. But this whole exorcism thing was, was nonsense. They showed the tapes, which you'll have now heard. Um, but the, the court ended up finding them all guilty of, really? um, negligence. And so they were all. Charged with these crimes. What did they have to serve? Like jail time or? Um, I mean it depended on the person. The priests were who got it the worst, and I think they served um two years oh. um for it. And so the priest got it the worst. Their parents, because her parents were really religious, they kind of were like,
1: Well, they we were get it. The straight by the like, priest. yeah,
0: you the priests had a especially because on record, when they first get told about her, they were like, No, and she didn't fit all these perfect you know, Mm -hmm. markers of, of a possessed person anyway, so it was, like, they, they essentially decided through the evidence related to the exorcism that, like, they had not acted appropriately by even agreeing to do the exorcism, like, following their own, you know, parameters of what was appropriate.
1: Yeah,
0: and the Catholic Church had already rejected it once, so, like, Mm-hmm. It was personal to the local priest. Mm-hmm. And so um, like the local Catholic church had to really change their yeah. parameters for doing uh, exorcisms, and it, it kind of was one of the things that, it became famous in the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose, yeah, which it, is like very loosely based. Yeah, because in Emily Rose, like the priest gets away, or like doesn't, he gets charged, but he's um, allowed to do time served. hmm And so, like, they basically just postulate that they, like, did their best. And they thought they were doing the right thing for her. And it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. Yeah. It seems that the courts in this case were not of the opinion of, like, oh, you did your best, but legally I have to charge you with this. It was more like, no, No, dude, you should have left this woman alone. Yeah. Broken knees are kind of hard to be like, oh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with this scenario. Like, from praying so hard that her kneecap's just... Yeah, I mean, but I mean, it was also being malnourished and being so thin. Right, her, I mean, you don't have, her bones would have been brittle
1: because of lack of food too.
0: And I mean, yeah. I, I I think I mm, mean under your kneecap. I'm pointing at my own kneecap, <laughs> but under your kneecap, there's that cushion thing, right? Yeah. Isn't it? Oh Ellie, you guys can probably hear Ellie going, "What's
1: in here? What are they doing?" They're
0: just having so much fun without her, talking about demons. But anyway. So, that's uh, Annalise analyst Michelle, Mitchell, however, whatever floats your boat. It's probably, like, one of the most iconic demon possession cases. Because yeah. if you really want to be upset, like, we're going to show you, like, the, like we should do the recording. But, like, if you ever want to, like, really, they have, like, a lot of it on YouTube. And a lot, a lot, a lot. It is upsetting. And the pictures of her, like, I was watching one with her, uh, Samantha before, and it had her voice before possession and then after possession and it's just like heartbreaking yeah. know how different she sounds but i mean like if you have multiple personalities like if you've ever seen somebody with multiple personalities it's a pretty dramatic transition too have you ever gone down that rabbit hole of people on youtube who will film themselves no. when they feel like an episode coming on dang yeah. No. Oh, okay. You guys should go down this rabbit hole during the hiatus, like and and, and you we'll know just give like, you just right give me stuff to like at. be looking at. But you can find people who like who film their switching and I don't know if it's genuine or not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't know each person's like I had a friend history, whose but, dad specialized in multiple personalities and disassociative personalities and he like she grew up with like these patients around because like mm-hmm. it wasn't like they hid them. They weren't like in mental asylums, they weren't physically abusive typically they're only like dangerous to themselves and she was like yeah they would just be talking to you and they would like look down and look up and it would be a different person and i was always like that is wild the people on youtube always sort of frame it as like that they just just kick it over it was empty. i kicked over a glass of water guys <laughs> the people on youtube always frame it as just that they can like feel the change coming on so they're like oh hey guys like i just thought i'd start recording because i think i'm about to switch personalities hmm. but they don't call it switching person; that's like an antiquated term i'm just yeah. blanking on the real uh, appropriate term for it all i can think about is like deadpool calls them boxes like um, having multiple voices there's uh and all i'm thinking of is the people who are like <laughs> you don't know talking about the kin people <laughs> um I feel like you always foray into the darker person, the stranger person. Yeah. What is it called? It's not other kin, but it's like... Oh, I remember. You've talked about those once before <laughs> I here before. The, the Kin people. Yeah. The Kin people have like a switch can or something. Yeah. That's like... Shopkins. <laughs> Shopkins. <laughs> Shopkins. But they... Something. And it, it's... Guys, don't go down that rabbit. Just go down the YouTube rabbit hole. If you're curious about Annalise, you can find interesting videos of her with pictures and shows the extensive damage. If you haven't seen Exorcism of Emily Rose, it's worth a watch because it's just sort of an iconic movie. Yeah. And just like with the understanding that what happens in that movie is very loosely based. Kind of like The Exorcist is based off another possession case, but it is real, real loose. It plays, like, hard and fast with, like, one, it, like, obviously, it's kind of like, you know, um, Poltergeist and all of those other possessions and haunting films. They always want to play up the scenes, and they're really not that dramatic. I mean, most possessions, you can look up on YouTube and see videos of possessions. Um yeah. Like, actually, like, catholically sanctioned possessions, and where they've confirmed, and because uh, they want to, like, demonstrate that the this is a realistic thing, but at the same... It's mostly done as, like, an educational tool, less so a shock value sort of thing. And you can look up the badass Catholic priest that's, like, single-handedly taken on the devil. I think he hasn't died yet. There's only, like, eight mm-hmm. official exorcists in the Catholic Church now. It's fiction
1: kin, is what I was fiction
0: saying. Fiction kin. Sorry. All right. Fiction kin people... It's a, it's a rabbit hole. Just look it up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. I have another possession case that I also think is, like, another story of, like, the effects, like, outside effects causing a possession, quote unquote. I don't think that this is actually a possession case. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think that this oh, is, like, politically... Man. We picked two motivated. like not real possessions. Well, I wish some thing. one of us had picked something where it's like, and then demons flew out of their mouth. <laughs> well, that's the thing though. It's like Justin, my husband, and I were talking about this like before we were recording. And I was like, oh yeah, we're doing demon possessions. I gotta like make sure I I like represent. And he was like, well, you know, there's never been a confirmed demon possession. And I was like, well, yeah, just <laughs> we don't see demons like roll out very oh. often. I mean, we can't question medieval sources, and in the modern world, there's way too many ways to, like, disprove it. Most of the time, the best we can do is say, we can't explain why this happened. Mm -hmm. Um, So, the Laodun possessions occurred in 1630 to 16. Really, 1637, but they officially ended in 1634. Mm-hmm. It involved a convent of nuns, Ursuline nuns. Uh, Ursuline nuns are pretty laid back in terms of convents. They don't eat meat; they're vegetarians. Hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this convent in particular was just, um, if you remember Cardinal Richelieu, the like Inquisition, or like you know the classic. Courtney, why would I remember him? He shows up in Assassin's Creed. He's like Uh, an iconic character. If you watch History of the World by Mel Brooks, he shows Mm. up there. He was involved in the Inquisition. He's like this French cardinal that was very involved in politics. The Spanish Inquisition guy? Yeah, he's French. Okay. Um, French Inquisition. He's he was involved. I think the Sun King's Court he was invested in. He was a big political mover and shaker. So like in this is 17th century, I'm not quite in my medieval BS today. Uh, (laughs) Um, but yeah, and if you're keeping up with this, witchcraft will be brought up, but this is pre-Salem Witch Trials, Salem Witch Trials 1692, 91. Um, But anyway, so this Ursuline Convent was made up, it started with like 17 nuns, they're all from very noble, wealthy families, basically, they're not there so much for like religious uh, upkeep, they're not like Annalise where they're like really into religion they're there because it's a safe place to stow extra daughters that haven't been married yet where you Uh don't have to worry about them having sex all the time and what you do with these convents which is this common um like pre-modern convents you put your daughter out there teach her to be like really chaste, keep her whole and then when you're done like you find her a marriage partner you take your dowry back from the convent and then you sell her off in marriage it's totally fine. Uh, so this is a convent made up of a noble girls. So it's so like charm school. Cool. Basically, yeah. Okay. Um. So, I mean, they do live in, like, restricted situations. They do sleep on the floor. Um, they don't have, like, lots of... Like wealthy or like nice things, they cook and make their own foods. So it's kind of good because it's like teaching or sending your kid to a work camp, I guess, to teach them respect, and then they come back. And is that kind of good? I, I I meant like in the context of if you're a parent in oh, this era. Okay, <laughs> so um, I'm not sending my kid to a work camp. Just to be clear, Eleanor is fine. I think she's out there with a pickaxe right <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, just... yeah. We just told her to dig rocks. <laughs> um, that's what my husband's family did when he got in trouble. He had to go dig cacti out of his backyard. (laughs) So, yeah. um, Anyway, so when this possession happens, uh, I think 27, yeah, 27 nuns are affected officially. So it's a mass possession.
1: Um,
0: And by the end of it, they've drawn crowds from all over Western Europe. It becomes this huge, like, hotspot location, very public, very popular. And um, by the end of it, uh, Father Urbain Grandier, who was the, um, um, oh gosh, the parish priest who's in charge of this region, he actually gets burned at the stake. So festive, right? Mm, and yeah. it's one of those few times where the women didn't get busted for this. Nice, nice. mostly because they use that double edged sword where they're like, "We are women, and we are too dumb to come into the demon <laughs> on our own, so the man must have done it." It's it's a really solid move. Uh, every once in a while, you'll see like a medieval pre modern woman use it to her advantage. Uh, one of Henry's wives. Ooh, oh. Loud noise. Sorry. I Sorry. guys. not to my just... computer. Um, one of Henry VIII's wives actually used it to keep herself from getting in trouble from here ninety eighth she actually survived. Is it Catherine of Aragorn or whatever? Uh no, later. Catherine dies in a convent before he can kill her. What's the last one? Um it's another Catherine, Catherine yeah. Howard I think. That was the one that I met at the at oh, at yeah Catherine yeah. Howard. Yeah. she was really really young and she got a little too vivacious about reading some the uh, Calvinist yeah she was reading some like inappropriate literature and then Henry was like girl these are banned books and she was like I only took them yes. so that you could censure Please. me and teach me better from when I was like they're my Calvinist <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the story yes oh. <laughs> uh. So, yeah, Catherine Howard does this. Ursuline nuns. <laughs> right. So this story really revolves okay. the two big players, at least in the terms of the possessions. Obviously, there's outside political players. Involve the prioress of the convent, who's kind of in charge of the whole system. So she actually gets to punish her fellow nuns and stuff. Um, her name is uh, Jean de Angers. I'm going to really quickly say these French words. I'm... Hashtag nervous. (laughs) So I'm sorry, French listeners. I'm trying my best. But um, Jeanne was a um, very wealthy girl. She's from a wealthy family. She was put into the convent because, unfortunately for her, she's kind of a brat. She doesn't have a nice personality at all, even from, like, like, their perspectives at all. And she didn't, she wasn't physically pretty. She had a hunchback.
1: Not is a pretty
0: face. Um, that's how they describe her. And so because of that, her parents put her in a convent because she basically had really low marriage prospects. So oh, cool. she's understandably bitter.
1: Yes. Probably,
0: like, you know, for good reasons. Um, so Jean is the instigator for a lot of the possessions because she is obsessed with the parish priest, Urbain Grandier who is very handsome, uh, handsome enough that he has on several occasions been accused of illegitimate sexual relations with other women. Oh. And so he's going to be the major target of this. So John uh, and two other nuns from the convent start out the possessions by claiming to see a man appear to them in the middle of the night. And that's going to like progress into physical blows from unseen sources uh, they get, uh, there's weird periods where all the nuns in the convents have uncontrollable laughter and they can't stop. Oh. And then it even, like, leads to them having the signs of, uh, oh shoot, I just blanked on what the name is. Uh, like the piercings. Stigma. Gelatinous. Stigma. I wanted to say schisms and I was like, that's not the right word. I got pregnancy brain, y'all. Um, so really irrational behavior from the nuns. So, um, background to Grandier and why he's, like, a political target for this possession. He's handsome, like I said. He's also politically involved in, like, a number of, like, major things. So, in 1630, which is the same year as the possessions begin, he was actually arrested for immorality by the local bishop, who was mm-hmm. a political rival of his. Um, so the Bishop of Poitiers uh, basically tries to catch him for immorality, says he's like sexually loose, um, but Grandier is able to use his allies and he dodges oh, the thing. So he manages to get back. So after that, uh, enemies of Grandier go to the nuns and the, specifically to their confessor of the Ursuline convent, Father Mignon, and they say... We want you to make a possession. Now, nuns are not allowed to run their own convents. Women cannot be trusted to do religious matters on their own in Catholicism, which is why Grandier and uh, Father Vignon, their confessor, are their two key leaders. Women aren't allowed to preach. They're not allowed to take confessions. These two men are basically their spiritual models Mm -hmm. that they're supposed to follow. So, once they convince Father Mignon to sort of go along with these possessions, Grandier finds himself at the tail end of a very targeted attack on him. Mm -hmm. So, part of the issue is that Jean is obsessed with Grandier. He's a really attractive man. (laughs) She's not so attractive. She wants the power he has. She's hoping to catch him, basically. And so she starts out by claiming, you know, he was the one who appeared to him in the middle of the night. then it turns into she's being harassed, quote-unquote, by sexual dreams of Grandier on a regular basis. And that Grandier himself has made inappropriate approaches to him or her. So it's, like, now it's turning into, like, a soap opera level, like, drama. Um, so... Grandier's enemies step in and say, we've got to do something about these nuns who are possessed in this convent. And so they start exercising these nuns openly, like in public. This is like a anybody can come watch the nuns get exercised sort of rundown, which is wild. (laughs) This is not (laughs) normal. I mean, I guess it sort of is. Public confessions were really common until the modern world. So everybody kind of knew everybody's drama. Um, so these nuns start getting exercised in public, and in the process, they reveal that they believe they've been possessed by two demons, Asmodeus and Zabulon, which is not an alien name. Um, Are those real demons? Yes. Oh, okay. Actually, I could probably look them up. I think they're real. Excuse me, I have my encyclopedia of demons here. Um...
1: Variant. Sorry, that's just <laughs> it's just a man.
0: It's just a man. I don't see Zabulon here. I just wonder. Do, so, were, would nuns have been versed with like the Lesser Book of Solomon, or you know, no. like a, like a Pokedex of demons? <laughs> Probably not. Traditionally, we don't teach nuns that, but they do show up in like saints' narratives. So they mm-hmm. might have just borrowed some demons from saints' narratives, which mm-hmm. traditionally are read on every saints' holidays. Which there's over 180 of them oh. in the Catholic calendar. So they they would have known some demons. Um, They claim that these demons were sent by Grandier when he threw roses over the convent window. Because, again, he's so Lothario in this scenario. He's too handsome for his own good. <laughs> and this is problematic for him. So Grandier is like, this is absolutely ridiculous. He goes to the bailiff and he's like, this is like a public farce. I want the nuns isolated because they shouldn't be, like, appealing to the public. That's, like, affecting these procedures. But the bailiff's like, nah, fam, this is, like, way too interesting for me. (laughs) They They just absolutely don't care about him on the local thing. So Grandia goes to the archbishop, so he goes above everybody's head, The archbishop is like, all right, I'll send somebody down to your diocese and like see what I see. Uh And in March of uh, 1633, the archbishop agrees with Grandier. He's like, these nuns are not possessed. They're acting hella crazy. But they don't have the traditional markers of someone who is possessed. So we're sending them back to their cells, which sounds like they're in jail. But cells are like the the individual rooms where you're supposed to do penance and stuff. So he basically isolates them, hoping Uh that that will chill them out. That works for a couple months, but later the year, the hysteria comes back and so the nuns go back to acting crazy. Part of the issue with that is that Cardinal Richelieu, who's a big political power in France, gets involved in the process because Mm -hmm. apparently Grandier had written a treatise saying that Richelieu was like, he didn't agree with his political policies, but Richelieu was not a good man of the cloth because he was too invested in politics. So Richelieu's like, bet. (laughs) <laughs> and sends his brother, and officially as the cardinal, he is like one of the preeminent powers in the church. Um, he definitely oversteps the archbishop. Uh, he sends his brother to oversee the exorcism trials completely. So at this point, they're not just exercising the nuns. They're also trying to decide if Grandier is has enough evidence against him to prove that he sent the demons into the nuns. Mm-hmm. If he does, the Witchcraft Act of 1604 automatically gives a death penalty. Mm-hmm. Sorcery and witchcraft is 100% not acceptable in this period. Still, technically. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, the hysteria begins again, helped along by Cardinal Richelieu. Grandier is thrown into prison, and he is questioned. Part of this questioning involves being pricked at length for devil's marks. Devil's marks are visible and invisible marks that show you have an interaction with the devil. For women, this is used to feed your demonic familiar, so they're like extra nipples. Um, But they don't look like nipples. They can just be like a mole or a freckle or just like a birthmark, all of which I have. <laughs> so, uh, unfortunately there, and so they find these by taking pins, long pins, and stabbing you repeatedly, and if you react and say like, ouch, they're like, ooh, devil's mark. This is like that, The like, do you weigh more than a chicken? Right? Yeah. It's, a dumbass. it's a duck. <laughs> oh. What else floats on water? A duck. <laughs> um, yes, good Monty Python reference. Way <laughs> go? Yes, it is that dumb. And devil's marks—I mean, are—I mean, that's like one of the stupidest witchcraft things. But it is common, so he inevitably they will find devil's marks because, because you'll at some point go like, ah. yeah. I mean, like they're starting like, okay, let's do it in your arms, and then they go over your whole body. So like, there's several. Areas. I feel like anybody would jerk a little bit, mm-hmm. um, unless you have like some sort of <laughs> the devil's mark is on your dick. <laughs> exactly. Like I knew it. Right on the tip of your penis, <laughs> he has a devil's mark. Like, yeah, everybody <laughs> does. <laughs> if you're dude, like I could just, I like, but wouldn't it be wild though if there was like some girl who gets like perched for devil's marks and they're like hit her in the nipple or something and she's just like harder <laughs> like out <out-kink> the. <laughs> anyway i have no recorded instance of this ever happening but wouldn't it be wild um so the problem is it's it becomes really quickly divisive because everybody who doesn't like grandier is like yeah he's the devil he definitely did this he's way too handsome
1: Mm-hmm. and
0: uh, he needs to die and then there's the other half who are like Ooh, but these details aren't really like fitting well. Mm-hmm. One of the issues is that the nuns themselves are not following a good possession guideline. Oh, They're no. just acting crazy <laughs> like Jean is like walking around in just a shirt with like a noose around her neck and claiming she's going to try to like kill herself. But that's not like, demonic that's and, just weird. <laughs> yeah and then like nobody tries to stop her so at one point she like ties herself to a tree but, like, not, like, in a hanging position. She just ties the noose to the tree, and she's like, I'm going to do it. And they're like, go for it, John. Do a back Do it. I don't even understand her. And then um, none of the nuns have those classic three things. They don't speak in tongues or foreign languages. And multiple times they're like, do you know any Latin? And the nuns are like, we're not possessed by Latin-speaking demons, actually. We only speak French. <laughs> Which <laughs> is wild anyway. And anybody who's like knows anything about demons would be like, mm, that's not adding up. So they're not good at foreign languages, because apparently it's a Sursling convent. They don't have a lot of academics. Oh, no. Um, there wasn't even some like smart girl who was like, oh, don't worry, my parents taught me German. Yeah. Right? yeah. Ich bin ein Berliner. <laughs> None of them are going to understand this. Yeah, why would you just say, what, let's see, 1630? Yeah. Brazilian. Yeah. Um,
1: oh, that's Portuguese! That's Portuguese. a real language! Oh,
0: no! Yeah. Um, um, what is the um, language of the Aztec peoples, which I don't know Oh, the uh, language just, of the birds. But that's never been translated. <laughs> so, yeah, you could just be like, <laughs> and maybe like, Word. <laughs> Go so to speaking crazy language. Like, yeah. They're like, oh, this is Russian like, for sure. For sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, just try to recite Anastasia's Russian <laughs> lingo. <laughs> Which makes Samantha flinch. Um, but yeah, uh, none of them really do well with language. There's only one period where they managed to speak in la- uh, in a different language, and they speak in Greek, and it was trained by them. Like openly, they could only respond to like three questions. Like, and it was like, like when you're in class and like you know, <laughs> the homework, and then just going like trying to ask. You ever take a language class? Don't dare stop in biblioteca. You don't know anything useful. Me permite ir er, al baño. <laughs> me amo Courtney. Like, you're just whipping <laughs> out these stupid phrases and it <laughs> means nothing. <laughs> you're just going like, hola, me amo Sister Teresa. Bien. Un monkey is un, es un la table. un maman. Oh no, that's French. Es mama, or what is it? Mama es to biblioteca yeah. de la pueblo. <laughs> I have my Latin here too. I could, I could say. Sometimes I have the urge to conquer large parts of Europe. Is a weird phrase. <laughs> I apparently felt like I needed to remember. Um, but yeah. So, they're, they're really bad at it. The Greek only comes out, like, later when they're, like, trying to prove, like, this has been an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm showing Samantha pictures because the they actually have, uh, my encyclopedia had a picture of one of the damning pieces of evidence, which they try to bring up. Which is um, doodles? No, this is a written pact between Grandier and the devil. Oh. Which they just happen to find... So useful. These signatures. Yeah. um, Pretty sure that's Narwhal with the top hat. I'm not (laughs) real (laughs) up to date with demonic signatures. Um, The nuns have no clairvoyance, no levitation. Uh, They really don't do any tricks, superhuman strength. They laugh uncontrollably, which is not a demonic sigil. Um, They act really strange, and that's about it. And so um what is interesting is that the priests that are involved in the exorcism do spend a lot of time trying to figure out where the demons are located in the person's body. So mm-hmm. I'll just read some of them. Um so Jean our girl, yeah. She was possessed by Leviathan, who oh, is okay. one of the demons of the Old Testament. Uh in the center of her forehead, she had Beherit another demon in her stomach. Balam under the second rib on the right side, and uh, Isakaron, uh which was under the last rib on the left. Is that really to Judas? Because his last name was like Iscariot or whatever. I don't know. Oh, uh, he's he's Iscariot with a T. This one is I S A C A A. Oh, A.A. Okay. Ron. A.A. Ron. The <laughs> like, A.A. Ron? Uh, yeah, and like Agnes, who is another uh, infected woman, had like Asmodeus under the heart and the in the stomach. So, really bizarre, just in general, uh, the way this is uh, examined. Um, at one point, they take Grandier and they say, okay, you're the one responsible for their possessions. So you should be the one who can exorcise them because you brought the demons in. You can bring them up, right? Uh-huh. Um, so Grandier is forced to attempt an exorcism on himself or on, himself. on the demons. Okay. And um, Grandier chooses to speak to them in Greek, and this is where they Can't have answer. those. They give those basic answers back, um, but they had been coached, and um, they refused to. Basically, they just sat there and they were like, no, we're not going to do what you say in Greek. So, like, it embarrasses Grandia and shows that he doesn't have the power and ability to stop a possession. So they have this written pact, which you can find pictures of, where he agrees to um, work with these demons. Uh, specifically, the devil, Satan, Beelzebub, which are all three names for the same character, which is festive. Um, Alimi, Leviathan, and Astaroth. Uh-huh. Um. So those demons are specifically mentioned and signed here. Signing packs are like a big deal in witchcraft, too. Uh-huh. Um. I don't know why medieval people were really obsessed with buttholes, and so that usually involved a lot of it. They had to agree to have anal sex with these demons or whatever. That's where their powers come from. There's a lot of... Anal sex has had some really interesting... History? Histories in demonology. We'll talk about that in the Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get ready for some anal <laughs> so, um, I don't know why. Um, so in August of 1634, Grandier is just, like, overwhelmed with the number of accusations against him. He doesn't have enough allies. Uh, the public has turned against him, and he is finally sentenced to be burned at the stake. Oh, nice. my um, So Grandier is uh, tortured repeatedly. Uh, he refuses to name any accomplices, so is the only one who gets burned at the stake. Uh, I, there's one layperson who gets burned, and she's, like, a Jason. I just think she just got invested. Mm-hmm. Um, she, he never names any other accomplices, and he actually never agrees that he was ever involved in the devil. Which is saying something, because these are, like, long-term tortures. And he's been held for, like, over a year and consistently questioned over and over again. And that'll break anybody. Um, he's actually promised to be able to make a statement before his death, like the famous last words thing. Um, but the friars that lead him to the stake choose to douse him in holy water so much that he can't speak. Like they literally like waterboard him while he's trying to make his last statement. He's dumping buckets on it? Yeah. Um, and Grandier doesn't get his last statements. The only thing he does manage to do is he turns to one of the monks and and he says that um, his uh, father him, uh, and he tells him he'll see God in thirty days. He basically says, "You're gonna die, son, for what you did here." You know what's crazy? I bet it sucks getting burned at the stake if you've been soaked in water. Oh yeah, they can make burning at the stake. The longest burning lasted three weeks. Oh my god! They kept the person alive. They just burned them in increments. I guess so. Are you supposed to die of smoke inhalation? Mm-hmm. Maybe that. But would- again, it depends on your executioner because they can extend it, mm-hmm. and it's not a pleasant thing. So he is burned at the stake. He does kind of get the last word, and in one of those things where like maybe demons were involved because everyone involved in his torture, his questioning, who turned against him, who built this case for him, all had terrible ends.
1: Oh,
0: um, so. You had the guy he threatened specifically, Father Lactanth, dies um, less than 30 days later. His famous last words were Grandier, I was not responsible for your death, but it didn't save him. Uh, Father Tranquil became insane within five years. Dr. um, Mannery, who was the witch pricker who found all of his death marks, also died insane. Uh, abruptly, like these men were totally normal and then all of a sudden they became insane Uh, Father Bear left Laodun for an exorcism in Chinon and he was banished from the church for conspiring to accuse a priest of rape on the altar Um, and uh, they basically proved that he had cheated in this accusation of this priest's rape by putting chicken's blood on the altar to mimic like an assault and so he got banned from the church. And then uh, one of the judges, who was skeptical of the possessions and was denounced by Jean as a sorcerer himself, fell into depression and insanity and died before the end of the winter. Do people typically die of insanity? Is that odd? I don't know okay. if that's like one of those things where it's like consumption, where they have like multiple reasons for it. Uh, but yeah, they. All of them were skeptical. They knew it was a bad case, that it wasn't justified. And so it's really like an extended case, a weird possession case. The first exorcisms start in 1632, and they continue all the way to 1637. And it got to the point where they would trot the nuns out every Sunday for two exorcisms that the public got to watch every day. And it was like attracting crowds. And until 1637, when a duchess uh, who had enough power went and complained to a higher up and was like, this is just a farce. They're just attracting people to watch this weird, mad nuns. um, They finally were stopped. And so it becomes this big case that uh one upsets the relative peace between protestants and catholics in the area because it blows up really quickly and it becomes this attack where protestant local leaders were really trying to bring this catholic priest down Mm -hmm. and we don't even get like a lot of narrative from them because it was like hushed up for so long so grandier's case just basically got ignored and then finally we discovered transcripts that just like blew open the case in terms of, like, him being um, pointed to and that everything that was done was a political maneuver. And Grandia, unfortunately, he's now been cleared by the Catholic Church,
1: um, mm-hmm.
0: which is kind of like where the Catholic Church said, oh, uh, sorry about that, Salem witches.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it yanks. doesn't really, like,
0: <laughs> oops, that one's on us. Uh, it doesn't really help him at all, but it did... Um, officially his soul has been forgiven. Uh, on record? <laughs> on record,
1: his soul is questioned.
0: So let's say that, I mean, what do they think is happening in the years between? What do you mean? Like you die, you go to hell, and then suddenly you're like, yoink! Yeah, I don't know. Do um, um, they think you stay in purgatory? For I would assume time, that or? it wouldn't really matter because the Lord would know if you were guilty or innocent. Doesn't that take some of the pomp and circumstance yeah. out of Catholicism? Well, there you go. That's <laughs> I'm not a good Catholic. Like, I'm not a Catholic, period. So I'm not really sure how that procedure would go. I think hey, on Hey, do we have Catholic followers? I'm sure we do. If we have Catholic followers, I'm not being incendiary. I actually want to know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I would assume that, like, God would trump it because he would be able to tell who's guilty and who's not. hmm Um, but I don't know if they'd get stuck in purgatory because traditionally when you die, you need somebody to, like, pray your soul into heaven, and nobody would have done it for somebody who's, like, an accused sorcerer.
1: Yeah. Maybe. Maybe you're just chilling in purgatory. Um,
0: yeah. So, Grenier burned at the stake. One of his allies dies before the end of the trial, and they do exhume his body and burn it, too. He doesn't get put in holy... Sight, so it would have also like that. The question is, too, would he have made it to heaven? Because by a Catholic, you have to be done in Christian ground. Hmm. Um, it's like a big thing if you're not. So, I'm not sure. Interesting. That's one of those questions I really can't answer yet. Hmm. I don't know what that would procedurally be. But yeah, demon possession. So, Laudon's like a big deal in terms of like 17th century France. It's followed by the um, I think it's Vine has one and these big like mass possessions which are kind of unique. Like, normally they're much smaller. Family Munch mm-hmm. trials like mm-hmm. you only had a few possessions, and that was they leaned more towards witches than demons. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a trend <laughs> for sure. <laughs> anyway. well, dang! So guys, that was demon possessions. Yeah. And so- we of course as mentioned. This episode, we're gonna have our Patreon episode, but other than that, you won't see us again until like end of September, beginning of October. Yeah, we'll probably check in on Facebook and Twitter. I've been reposting just interesting history articles I've been finding, so uh, we'll still be around, but we will be primarily doing probably more intense things on the side. (laughs) Um, So, in that meantime, if there's anything you really want to see, uh, in October, that's our spooky month, so we usually try to bring out some, like, really cool stuff. Last year we did Urban Legends, um, but if we want to do, maybe Samantha by them will have talked me into a haunted <laughs> asylum, um, or we can come up with some other topics. I'm going to figure something out. I don't know. I mean... Let's blow it up. If nothing else, uh, having a two-month-old, you can... You know, there's always Netflix. That's, That's true. Netflix movies. Jace is too young to get scared. Yeah. I mean, they can't see more than a foot past. Yeah, so perfect. Well, the Exorcist. Yeah, let's just watch The Exorcist. That, I don't find demon movies typically scary. Mostly because they have yeah. really bad... Um, You're not, like, scared and, for your soul? No. Yeah. That's weird. It's funny because, like... Between well, like, the two of us, you would think I would be the less scared <laughs> for my soul, but... Yeah, I mean, um... I don't know. Like, uh, I watched Paranormal Activity the other day, and they they had like, I think it was like the third one, and somebody wrote in like "blood meus, which is Latin for mine. Um, and I was just like, oh yeah, look at this demon can't even conjugate correctly. <laughs> is that the one is. This is so specific. Is that the one where like the primary shot is of their kitchen? Um, like, the most of I think the that's movie... the second one, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? But, like, Ooh. most of the movie takes place in their kitchen? Yeah, on that fan camera where it just goes Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bar. Okay, I'm so glad that you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, Periodontivity, the first one was, like, really, I thought... Big? ...crazy? Yeah, because they did that drum that was so... Like, that decibel that physically triggers your body's, like, panic. Mm-hmm. Anyway... And they did that for like most of the movie. And I always think it's impressive that that movie managed to be scary without music because usually music is like the cornerstone and foundation of all scary. Like I Jaws mean, wouldn't be scary without music. With very limited cinematography as yeah. well. Yeah. And it was a really low budget film. I think I spent like 40000 on it, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, and it blew up. But yeah, the, the second and third and fourth, it's sort of stops. <laughs> and now I'm gonna have to go watch some demon movies. I was thinking about like rewatching the right. I love Anthony Hopkins, but that movie didn't scare me. I think I watched that with Eric at, sort of like in and out. Like I was on my phone for most of it. It didn't pull me in.
1: Yeah. Um
0: It's more of a like, are you a skeptic or are you a believer? It became like much more of a like a psychological question of like are you gonna believe in this or are you gonna What's the movie that's like a Netflix movie where a woman is like possessed and like the it, it, it's not a Netflix original, but it's I. The only time I ever heard it anybody say they watched it was on Netflix, and it's like they go to this woman's house, and she's like Marianne Williamson. <laughs> she's like just like a weird crystal, yeah. lady, and it's like a documentary crew is there, and then she like goes off into like a cave, and at the oh, end she's I like. I remember that, and she had like dementia though. I thought. Yeah, yeah, and then she's like I don't know, like eating the guy's head or something when they find her, and yeah, not like you know, what's that called. Guys, what's that call? <laughs> so <I can> get <laughs> name that film. <laughs> you guys, that trivia. You'll get a high five virtually from me or Samantha. I'm going to um, look it up. Demon movies. Demon movies, demon movies, on movies. On I'm going to look up demon movies while you play us out, fam. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, uh, look us up on Twitter. Join us on Facebook if you haven't already. That's where we do most of our voting. Because Twitter only lets me keep the poll up for like a week. Mm-hmm. And I we usually get like one vote. So, uh, <laughs> mostly on Facebook. You can the taking have, of Deborah Logan. Yes, the taking of Deborah Logan. If you want, like, a dementia slash demon-possessed woman go watch a demon movie. Come tell me what you think about it. Yeah. I will critique whether or not (laughs) that follows the demon possession bylines. In this interim, guys, this is a time where we can really load up on some films. Yeah. We can really load up on some uh, recommendations for us. For sure. And we're going to come back stronger and spookier than ever. For sure. With, like, you know, I won't be possessed... By a child I've just awesome. frightfully stared at her stomach this entire recording. <laughs> <I'm> so worried, <laughs> I'm so worried this baby's gonna come out. I'm while just gonna I'm stand here. up and it's gonna be like goosh. <laughs> Justin just left. Like you're, you're gonna death. just be. You're gonna have to take me the hospital. I'm gonna to have hospital to single-handedly my deliver this this boy.
1: <laughs> to this it world. is kind of
0: scary because like Ellie came in like five hours. So like I, with yes. this, my OV was like we're gonna teach Justin how to catch a baby and deliver a baby, and I was like absolutely mm. not. <laughs> but dear listeners, nobody ever taught me. No, so I'm, I'm not prepared. <laughs> She's never birthed a full. <laughs> I never birthed no babies. They come with a wind. Oh. No, that's, like, my nightmare. We will get to, like, the hospital if it's the last thing I do. God willing, in the crick don't rise. Yeah. <laughs> if I have to drive myself, we were getting to the hospital, and I'm telling the epidural guy to be on standby because I'm not <laughs> farting around. Last time they gave my epidural to the lady next door instead of me, and I did that sucker all natural,
1: wow. and
0: there was no... There was no point where I was like, this is worth
1: it. This is great. This is worth it. So,
0: guys, we'll catch you on the flip side. Courtney yes. with a with a baboo, me with a crippling student loan debt. And not really. Not really. Not too depressing. <laughs> not really. Guys. Just, you know, guys, I'm fine. I'm fine, guys. It's all right. It's okay. But for now. For now. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.